PJ and PK is brought to you by WCF Insurance, reminding you to be careful out there. Is it foreshadowing of the selection show Sunday morning? SEC bias in everything. East Coast bias in everything. ESPN's counting down to not the top ten here. Just watching that in the commercial break. SEC was one and two. The fans getting out of the hedges was number one. No. LeBron carrying the ball. What an epic fail. And they did a nice job of the little, uh, it's not spot shadow. You kind of light the guy up and you pull him out. I don't know what the term is for. So you can really see LeBron's walking the ball. And they showed Bogdanovich turning and looking at the ref like, are you watching this? Are you even watching the game? And they spot, they even had two fans in the front row like, are you kidding me? We paid for this? It was number four. Number three wasn't bad. Dude ran into a goalpost. Uh, come on, running into a goalpost is funny. I get that. But number two was the old Miss guy in the back of the end zone doing the dog thing. And number one, it's SEC bias and everything. Even in screwing up the SECs one and two. It's baked into the system, I tell you. I actually can't complain about number two. That was a, uh, that was a horrific way to mess up the end of a game. You are forever going to be – that, that dude's going to be 50 years old and there's going to be video of him. Hey, the all-time greatest blunders. Lifting a leg in the end zone. Not expecting those blunders tonight. It's the Utes. It's the Ducks. Pac-12 title game, 6 o'clock. High stakes. Time to talk about that game with our guest, Kyle Gunther. He's been here every Friday during the college football season, and now it's peaking with the Pac-12 title game, and he is once again on the Sprint Special Guest Line. Get a Samsung S10 for $0 when you activate a new line of service with a flex lease now through December 26th. Visit the Sprint store nearest you. Gunther, Kyle Gunther, good morning. Mr. BJ, how are you, sir? I'm good. And I think the question for you before we get to the football and the X's and O's and the breaking it down and putting our fingers in the rubberized pellets is how does a former you watch the game? You're, you're at home gathering with family. You uh, got some former teammates who are coming over. You're uh, racing out for a last second trip out to California yourself. How are you going to enjoy this one? Well, last week I had the pleasure of watching the game with Mr. Hans Olsen, uh, Lude, Lloyd, Cole, uh, Austin, Browner, we were all hanging out at the Zone Studios. Mm-hmm. That was a pretty incredible experience. Hans and I were eating wings and uh, arguing about uh, nose guards and uh, offensive guards and tackles, and, and that was a ton of fun. Tonight, though, I have a great opportunity. My buddy Park is having a huge party, and he's got an 80-inch projection screen TV, and we're having a pool tournament as well. So that means I'm going to be losing a lot of money and uh, watching the game with a bunch of friends. So uh, it just kind of depends each week. Uh, uh, this year has been a little unique. Normally I've been uh, doing a lot of pre- and post-game shows. But, yeah, this year uh, I've watched it with some family. But tonight I'm hoping to uh, – I might win one game of pool tonight while watching the game. That's a big TV right there, Yach. That's what I'm talking about. I mean, back in the day I had well, a big TV, it, but now I don't. 80-inch, that's, that's... – well, it's, it's one of those – he's got the projector thing, mm-hmm. so he's going to put it on his wall. It's pretty wild. It, it's, it's a lot of fun to watch there. Uh, but last week it was really unique because you know, Hans Olsen is a guy who understands football better than just about anybody, and yet we're all here sitting around, you know, fans, uh, experts or whatever you want to call everybody. Everybody has the same question. When the Utes don't score in the first quarter, everybody says, what's going on? And uh, the Utes are – 
you know, they are like uh, Muhammad Ali, uh, to make a boxing reference. They are, you know, they're not Mike Tyson. They're not going to come out and knock you out in the first quarter, uh, in the first couple of rounds. No, the Utes are, they're into feeling you out. And I wonder, though, if this week things are going to change because the Utes realize they cannot afford another slow start. And, you know, maybe they're trying to make an impact on the selection committee. I'm intrigued by that. If the Utes come out with a trick play or something early and try to get a score early on the Ducks so that the Ducks feel like they have to get away from their run game in the first half. So I brought up the weather with Kyle Whittingham, and I brought it up one other time, and then PK yelled at me for being weather-obsessed. It's the same for both teams, (laughs) and the team that plays better will win. I'm tired of you and your weather. You know how that rant goes. So... (laughs) I'm curious, though, with what you bring up about the Utes, you know, will they start faster? Because Kyle, when we talked to him, and we interviewed him on, uh, I think we taped it on Tuesday to air on Thursday, and so he was already focused on the weather, and he knew what the wind conditions were going to be, and I wonder if they're going to feel the pressure to start fast because the field's going to get in worse shape as the game goes along. And this is not a team that started fast. This is a team that, you know, actually trailed UCLA. I mean, how often do you trail when you win 49-3? to And yet, you know, we're, we're used to the Utes having the other team score first. We've seen it multiple times. Yeah, yeah, and it's, it's for a couple of reasons. It's because the Utes uh, are a little conservative early on with their offense because they're trying to set plays up mm-hmm. for the fourth quarter. I mean, think about how often the Utes used Brant Keithy last week. That was something that came on in the second half as well. And so you saw the Utes kind of developing that play. But if you go back and watch the fourth quarter, of Oregon's loss to Arizona State. Arizona State makes a couple of huge uh, plays through the air, including a touchdown pass to, what's his name, Ayuk, uh-huh. who, I mean, it was like a 50, yeah, 50 or 60-yard bomb. And that's how you beat an opponent, is you, you rely on your own skills, and then you also you look at where they've struggled in the past. And if Oregon's given up 50-yard touchdown passes to freshman quarterbacks in the fourth quarter, and I'm Andy Ludwig, I'm going to say, well, let's test that secondary. And Wind can be a factor, absolutely. The cold can be a factor. But at some point, these guys are going to open up their throw game. The Ducks have to throw the ball a lot with Justin Herbert because he's such a talented quarterback. But, again, you know, there was plenty of times where he was just a little bit off. On third down, he'd throw a little bit behind a receiver. And Arizona State's defense was still able to get pressure. And Arizona State's defense is not very good. The Utes defense is elite. I think it's the best defense ever at Utah. And so they're going to do a better job of getting pressure on Justin Herbert. And there's going to be a good back and forth. Remember, Oregon and Arizona State was a low-scoring game. Just because the Ducks have a what you would assume is a high-powered offense, this game is going to be pretty low-scoring tonight between the Utes and the Ducks. And uh, I think Utah's defensive line is in for the matchup of the year. This is the best offensive line in the country for the Ducks, and I think it's the best D-line in the country, maybe outside of LSU, for this Utah team. So that's the matchup to keep an eye out for. Uh, But we'll see. I wonder if either team can run the ball. I wonder how healthy Zach Moss will be or what that rotation will be like. But this is the game of the century for the Utes. It's the game of Kyle Whittingham's career. Last year it was their first time in the Pac-12 championship game. They'd already lost to Washington. They were banged up. It, it, was a, it was a different scenario. I think most folks expected it to be a tough matchup with Washington. The Utes are a better team than Oregon this year. Hell, they beat Oregon last year with Jason Shelley. So if you were to talk about pressure, I mean, the pressure is on the Utes because they need to beat the Ducks, and then the conversation is, can they upset fine Bob? <laughs> so what did you think of all that? 
I actually saw something today where Utah fans have started, a, what do you call it, signthepetition.org, uh, and they're trying to get Feinbaum fired. And uh, when I think happen. of it, I, I thought Feinbaum's reasoning was pretty scientific. He said, why would Utah get in? It's Utah. It tells me a couple of things. Uh, Feinbaum, you know, the only reason you know about that guy is because he's got outlandish opinions. He's not quite Skip Bayless-esque, but he's trying to, to form a hardline opinion. Now, he said Oklahoma has bigger name value, which they do. And the, the only argument I think makes sense is that if you pulled the average football fan in the Midwest of our country, they know who Jalen Hurts is from Oklahoma because he was at Alabama and so the fact that you can name one guy there, I think that makes the average football fan lean towards a school like Oklahoma if Oklahoma wins their championship game and Utah wins their championship game. That would be the assumption, is that the committee would put Oklahoma in there because they've got a Michael Jordan contract with their school. Everybody knows Jalen Hurts. But if you've watched the Utes, not in the first half, if you've watched the Utes in the second half of any game over the last half of the season, the Utes have been comically dominant. But... Uh, I forget who it was. Uh, some national media member last week in the first quarter against Colorado tweeted something like, uh, oh, does nobody want the fourth spot? I guess, I guess the Utes are pretenders. And there's so much overreaction in the first quarter of football games. Yeah, the Utes are down 7 nothing to Colorado. What happened? They stomped Colorado. But you don't have to be patient. Nowadays, I'm not going to force anybody to be patient. So the concern is that because Utah's offense has not been – the banner of this football team, they've not been the torchbearer, that the average football fan, whatever that means, they might lean towards Oklahoma because they've got this rep of, well, they, to be fair, they do have back-to-back Heisman winners. So that would be the argument there. But the point is nobody really wants to be that fourth spot in the playoff because Ohio State, LSU, these teams are pretty elite. And that'll be a fun matchup if the Utes do get in. But to do that, you're going to have to really engulf the Ducks you're going to have to have an impressive performance, and you're going to have to have some help down the line. So I think there is something to the argument the Utes need to dominate the Ducks here because Oklahoma, if you're, if you're sitting in that committee room right now you can sit, and you're back in Oklahoma, you can say, hey, Oklahoma's 3-0 against the ranked teams. The Utes are 1-1. Now, we know Oregon's AD is the chair of the committee, and he can say, yeah, they lost to a ranked team, but it was because Zach Moss was hurt and he wasn't playing. With Zach, they're blowing people out. But the teams they've blown out, there's a lot of five and seven and six and six and a couple of seven and fives mixed in. If I think if they struggle with the Ducks, that's going to take some of the luster off of how much they've dominated these other teams they've played. If they blow out the Ducks, and not even blow them out, if they just beat them by 14 or 17, uh, I don't think they have to drop a 49 to three on them or you know 42 to 10 or anything like that. I think that backs up how dominant they've been because I think that's what they have over Oklahoma. I mean, Oklahoma had to stop a two-point conversion to beat Iowa State. Oklahoma had almost blew a big lead and lost to TCU. TCU had the ball down four in the fourth quarter twice and couldn't get the one more score to win the game. So I think that's what the Utes have. Do you think they're capable of beating Oregon by 14 or 17? Yeah, yeah. O- Oregon is a team that they're, they're somewhat one-sided. You know, Oregon and Oklahoma have uh, pretty similar issues. Oregon's defense has been suspect at times this year. They're starting a freshman on their defensive line, uh, and Oklahoma's defense has struggled at times too. And I wonder for Oklahoma, though, is that just a big 12 thing? Because everybody's throwing the ball so much. Everybody's running so many plays on offense that you naturally give up more there. But 
I thought style points were part of the BCS era, and I thought that went away in the playoff era. But I'm, I'm with you, DJ. I think the Utes need to win by more than two scores. I think you have to have plays that work in the highlight uh, culture. So if the Utes have a reverse, if they got uh, Tom Hackett, the punter, throwing touchdowns again, or you know, remember a couple of years ago when the Utes just blew out the Ducks, and you had Devontae Booker throwing yeah. touchdown passes, and they were throwing touchdown passes to Caleb Rep, <laughs> who's now a the end at Utah State. If you got a game like that, that works out well. But I, I know uh, ifs and buts were candies and nuts. We'd all have a Merry Christmas. But the Utes doubled up USC in time of possession. They about doubled them up in every major category. The Utes are an undefeated football team. They played very much like an undefeated football team. You gave up a couple of things against USC through the air that were just – they were outliers. It was the most outlandish game I've seen in a lot of years. And so from the committee standpoint, if you watched any Utah football, this is an undefeated football team. Now, albeit with a schedule that could be stronger, but they've battled through things. I mean, Oregon lost to Arizona State. The Utes stomped them. Didn't Cal beat Washington? The Utes stomped them. So the football math certainly works in Utah's favor. But, yeah, the schedule could be better. But, man, this is a Utah team that defensively, can choke out just about any team in the country. But, man, I've watched LSU a couple of times this year. I'm not sure anybody can beat LSU. So if we're talking about a playoff matchup, that's a different story. I think this is more about the cachet that Utah does or does not have. And listening to Feinbaum talk or listening to, if you want to call them national dissenters, I had the same feeling in 2008. Barry Switzer said, there's not one guy on this Utah team that would have been recruited by Alabama. And he's right. Not one guy was recruited by Bama, and the Utes stomped Alabama because Bama didn't watch film. They didn't prepare for Brian Johnson. They didn't prepare for the spread offense, the tempo. They thought they could match up with Braden Godfrey. Well, Braden Godfrey runs right past you. You think Brent Castile is short? Well, try and stop him. You think Utah's defensive line was undersized, and they were. That Sugar Bowl D-line, the D-tackles were Derek Shelby and Greg Newman. They were 250 pounds each. And the Utes still stepped up and beat Alabama because of guys like Sly on defense, uh, Robert Johnson, Paul Kruger. This is an even better defense that Utah has here now, specifically the defensive line. So they can be the D-line can be the great equalizer in this game if we're talking about a playoff matchup. But it is hard to sell a defensive line and a run-the-football mentality to a college football selection committee that's thinking about ratings, and they want eyes on the TV set. Well, Zach Moss breaking a 40-yard touchdown run might excite everybody, and he was talking to the media Tuesday and talked about, he didn't use the unfinished business phrase that Kyle Whittingham has used, but he talked about last year, eh, some guys may be happy to be there, and this year it's a different attitude. And his tone when he said it, you would have turned around and fist-pumped if you'd heard it. <laughs> I mean, there was a focus yeah, to it, like, I don't think I want to disagree with Zach right now. I think I'll just roll with this. Well, and Zach wasn't a part of that thing last yeah, year. Neither sure. was Tyler Huntley. If you're injured or if you're not starting, it, it's a weird feeling to be watching a football team that, yeah, you're wearing that jersey, but if you're not out there on the field, you don't feel like you're a part of it. And I can understand that. Zach Moss and Tyler Huntley saying, we're injured. we got too many guys that are pulling out their cell phones and uh, recording things on the way up to the game and happy to be there. And that does happen. That's natural. These guys are young. You're getting cool bowl gifts and cool opportunities, and there's a lot of fun stuff. But there's a reason why Zach Moss turned down the NFL. Your paychecks in the NFL are more than you make all year total as a college football player. He knew that, and he turned it down because of of what the Utes accomplished this year, because of that 
unfinished business mantra that the Utes feel like they should have performed better last year in the championship game and in the bowl game. But you were banged up because Tyler Huntley was asked to run the ball way too often because you had the wrong coordinator in there. Now you got the right coordinator in there, and I'll be danged if I wasn't having flashbacks last week. Tyler Huntley ran the ball way too much, and none of those were designed quarterback runs. Tyler Huntley's best passing asset is when you set him up by running the ball, give him a play-action pass, and let him either on a rollout, throw the ball quickly, or once he hits that five-step drop, throw the ball to his first read. When Tyler Huntley's trying to hang in the pocket and go through his progressions, it's just it's been too hit or miss his entire career. And there was too many times he was taken off last week for no reason. There was too many times last week that Tyler Huntley was trying to scramble and spin around outside of a tackle. The tackles are trying to drive the defensive ends around their outside shoulder. You can't run around that or you're going to get in trouble. And so there was too much of that. Tyler Huntley needs to make his first read, make the short throw, and continue to put together drives. I thought Tyler Huntley felt the pressure too much last week. It's senior night. Colorado was up. Tyler Huntley in the first half was trying to to win that game single-handedly, and he doesn't need to do that. This is going to be a 60-minute football game. I don't think the Ducks are going to go down early, easy. I think it's going to be somewhat low scoring, and I think you're going to see the Utes uh, really choose their spots late. I know we talked earlier about maybe the Utes start fast uh, and maybe get a little aggressive early. I think we might be talking about special teams. I think the Utes might be running fake uh, punt returns or reverses. or you know They've got a couple of wild things up their sleeve they can do, and I wouldn't be surprised about that. But you know, Tyler Huntley and Zach Moss are guys that, that feel that pressure of the whole state of Florida. They, they went what, 3,000 miles away, whatever that, you know, whatever the mileage is to come here and graduate and accomplish this, there's a lot on the line for them. And there's a lot on the line for Kyle Whittingham. He's never had a team this talented. He feels the pressure. This is the best team ever at Utah. They're in a great position, and I think they take care of business tonight against the Ducks. The last two or three weeks, Oregon has not been as good. They looked awesome lighting up USC. They looked like they were going to get to 12-1. and They looked totally worthy of a playoff bid, and it looked like playing Utah would just be a titanic matchup. Maybe it was just a bit of a letdown. They worked Arizona. They didn't look great doing it, but it was you know a four-touchdown win, five-touchdown win, whatever it was, because uh, Arizona wasn't very good. Then they lose to ASU. And then that yeah, was just they just slogged through the game with Oregon State. Do you think they can peak again, or is this a team? And we often see it. They they played their best football earlier. They peaked early, and they're not going to be able to bring their A game. What do you what do you think of that? I think Arizona State got better as the season wore on, so that was part of it. Oregon State won more conference games than half the Pac-12. I just was looking at that today. Oregon State had four conference wins. They only had five overall. So. Credit Oregon State and their staff. Oregon State's got a tough passing game. Remember, uh, Jalen Johnson played the game of his life against Oregon State. That receiver for Oregon State's very tall uh, and very talented, and he had about nine balls swatted away by Jalen Johnson. The Ducks obviously don't have that premier corner. So we'll see if the Utes can find a matchup that works. Maybe it is just Brant Keithy. Maybe nobody's going to step up and cover that tight end. Maybe nobody's going to respect the fly sweep motion with Brant Keithy. But I tell you, his is it five touchdowns the last two weeks for a skinny little two-star recruit from Texas? Brant and Carl and Kent Keithy, all the Keithy boys who came out and, and hanging out at Utah. Brant Keithy was the least heralded and least recruited. So I tell you, the Ducks better follow that fly sweep motion. 
and the Utes will have some counters off that. They're going to be faking that fly sweep handoff all night because you have to respect what Brant Keithy is doing. But back to your question, I think the Ducks' defense has worn down throughout the season, and the Utes' defense has gotten better because of depth. Man, Oregon's offensive line, like I said, they're the best in the country. They are so much fun to watch. But where's their passing game at times? Oregon's not got enough depth at receiver. Oregon's running game has been good at times, but not good enough to just bowl over Arizona State. So Oregon's defense is the one that I've got. That's the area where I've got questions of if I'm an Oregon fan. And if I'm a Utah fan, I'm open to exploit that matchup. But injuries happen. They're a part of football. It's not an excuse. Nobody gave the Utes an excuse for losing to Washington in the championship game. Oh, Jason Shelley was in there. Well, Jason Shelley was apparently good enough to be the backup. Now this year he's third string. So I don't know what the hell happened there. But everybody needs depth. Zach Moss has been banged up. You've got to have Devin Brumfield or Jordan Wilmore. Football is about depth. That's why you need those backups, and Oregon clearly doesn't have enough on defense. All right, you enjoy the game tonight, Kyle, and uh, you can play pool before the game or at halftime, but uh, not during the game. Come on, focus on the game. Yeah, uh, no, I, I will. And, uh, and say hi to PK for me, and uh, I appreciate you guys. It's been good talking to you. All right, Kyle, thanks a lot. Kyle Gunther, the red and the blue, every Friday, former Utah offensive lineman.